0: From Blue Wire Studios today, so you're ready for the August premiere. Mahomes has the
1: time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown! Patrick Mahomes with a rope! This one, out, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. he catch it! He did! Hello and welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Bet Online and the FFPC. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined once again by Sean Siegel. As we get ready today, Sean, we have a couple of fun things we're going to dive into the show. If the listeners didn't check out the show on Tuesday already, I would highly recommend going back. We talk through your top 200 in terms of dynasty players uh, as we move forward here in 2020. Uh, Good stuff to talk on today's show. We're going to look at seven players that fell in a recent rotoviz mock draft. We talked about players who went ahead of ADP last week. We're going to talk about some players who fell below ADP. Maybe you should uh, avoid them in your drafts or maybe you think that were a little bit too low on where they went and we'll be looking at some wide receivers as well that maybe option uh, 1b or maybe option number two on that uh, wide receiver chart might be the way to attack the offense rather than that wide receiver one as we currently look at it so lots of good stuff to talk about on today's show but Sean how are we doing today?
0: Good, and you mentioned those wide receiver one versus wide receiver two and how you might be able to have some exploitable opportunities as you build your roster. That's where we're going to get our FFPC stat attack for the day. We're looking at Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. In terms of what they did last year on a point-per-game basis, it's actually shockingly similar how these guys finished up. We look at people with at least 10 games played. Cooper was the wide receiver 15, averaging 154 Points per game Gallup just there right there next to him at the wide receiver 17 with 15.2 Gallup also outperformed him in terms of targets per game with eight compared to just 7.4 for Cooper now we know there are more things that go into it than that but those are some pretty provocative numbers when we're looking at the different prices that we have here Cooper in FFPC leagues going off the board at wide receiver 13. Gallup sitting there a little bit later at wide receiver 29. Perhaps both of those guys are overvalued. with CeeDee Lamb also getting in the mix. But we'll discuss what you should do there. And that's our FFPC stat attack of the day.
1: And of course, the FFPC, the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty Baseball, and of course, the world famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head on over to myffpc.com. That's my ffpc.com uh, to join the action, get involved in there, and dive straight into a league. So, Sean, we're going to jump in here. We're going to look at Swimming with Sharks. It's the next edition of it here up on the website, and we're going to look at seven players, Rodriguez analysts, let fall in a baseball mock draft recently uh, seven players sean i guess you know in terms of how you look at it when a staff draft like this um sees players falling below adp do you think that's just the consensus that maybe we we're not valuing that player as much as other other positions or, or how do you how do you find uh, you would review the an analysis of it
0: yeah so uh, these drafts are interesting we're currently involved in another draft that hassan has set up right now And there are going to be debates on if what a site is doing represents more or less an echo chamber or if that site is actually uh, looking at things in a way that's going to be helpful for owners. One of the things that we talk a lot about is that running backs are structurally overvalued. And that's within the context of almost all of our writers still recommending that you target those top four, five, six guys early, right? So we're not off of Christian McCaffrey. We're not off of Saquon Barkley. You know, we still like Kamara. You know, we like those guys in that range. And most of the writers like to be able to do that one elite running back build if you can. At the same time, differently than what you see in a lot of other drafts there's less chasing the points in that second half of the draft so if you have one of these draft slots from say seven to twelve where we know that the win rates on in that area are not nearly as good and so you can either kind of follow the normal path chase the points take the guys and play it the way owners have historically played it where you simply lose Or you can try and do something a little bit different to shake things up and maybe target some players who have some more value in the road of his drafts. You're definitely seeing more wide receivers taken between pick seven and pick 15 than you do elsewhere. And that really leads to then a chain of events where wide receivers have to go earlier the whole rest of the way, because players owners in that top half, when they get back into that second round, then maybe they have options of running backs who they wouldn't expect to have, and so you have that temptation to start running back, running back. On the flip side of that, you're already starting to fall well behind at wide receiver. If you take another running back there, either in the second round or wrapping back around in the third round, then once you get into rounds four and five, you're staring down the barrel of not actually having access to those wide receivers that you're used to in other drafts. right? So it's, it's a very different dynamic because currently in 2020, people who have a top five, top six pick, they're insulated from running into the problems that they should run into because people with picks 7 through 12 are drafting poorly. And that not only hurts those people in rounds in picks 7 through 12, but it really bails out those top draft slot owners who, who already have such an advantage. When you bail them out by taking the lesser running backs in that next area, then throughout the draft, those players in the top half have access to very, very good wide receivers. Whereas if we start to see wide receivers go very heavy in that next group, then everything shifts. Now that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to balance out the value of a Christian McCaffrey, a Saquon Barkley. Those guys stay healthy, play a full season. They're going to score a lot of points. Their owners are going to win a lot of leagues, especially because if you have that early pick in round three, it just continues to compound your advantage, right? But even though you're at a disadvantage with seven through 12 doesn't mean you should capitulate and i think that that's one of the things that we see in some of these road of his drafts players are going after the wide receivers now what that means is we start to see some running backs fall and so the first player on our list here and this particular article written by jack miller uh, i think that he's one of the real breakout stars as a writer of the last 12 months uh, he set this draft up for us he wrote this particular article It's really cool, like all the stuff that Jack does, happens to be. And we start here with Derek Henry, the first guy who really fell.
1: Yeah, and Henry, obviously, uh, we talk about really fallen – this is amplified at the top end of drafts or you know in that first second round because even dropping you know five six spots can seem like a a huge drop so he went eight picks after his normal adp of spot seven went at spot 15 um, and basically went from rb6 to rb9 based on drafting now we talked sean last year and quite a few of these running backs who we would have been saying would be in the dead zone last year and henry would have been one of those guys where they're not getting those uh receiving attempts and you know what Henry did last year with the lack of receptions, the lack of targets, um, you know, isn't what we would expect to see every year and it'll be maybe he does it again this year but for him to to lead the way in fantasy points over expectation he was number one last season uh this year again based on what production we would expect from what his numbers would have generated so uh, in terms of targets last season in terms of the running back position he was 50th overall um in terms of targets at the position and then he was 40th in terms of receiving yards at the position he was though to balance that number one in rushing yards at the position number one in attempts at the position at uh, number three in total touch signs at the position so there's a lot of different things that helped bump that up dramatically for him uh, in terms of ppr points per game he was actually number three at the position with very very little ppr additional support added into that so i think that he's one of those players who overachieved last season and probably should have done uh, quite a bit less and for him to hit that this season again uh, you know in terms of expectations is, is highly unlikely so he would be somebody who won't End up in a lot of my rosters this year based on similar. So I would be letting him drop down to somebody else. And like you said, trying to get that tight end or that wide receiver at the kind of mid to end of that first round to set me up and do something similar in the second round as well. And to be honest, depending on how far he would fall, maybe the interest would be there for me because everyone is going to have a value at a certain spot. But if I'm picking between the back end of the first uh, round and into that second round then the first half of that it's very unlikely that he's a player that i would be slotting onto the the roster and um, did you think that that is uh you know your you're max that his current adp based on what his expectation was for last year what he achieved and what you would kind of expect his expectation to be this year he might end up picking up you know a lot more passing down work but you know throughout his career he's never had more than 24 targets uh, in the nfl that's four seasons you know, it's it's highly unlikely that he's going to have a, a sixty-target season in his, you know, in, in in his fifth year.
0: Yeah, it's just it's so difficult to maintain that. Uh, Jack talks about how he ranked fourteenth in terms of expected points per game. So he's going to have to either change his profile or he's going to have to blow away expectation for a second consecutive year. Now, Jack mentions, and I completely agree with the fact that this efficiency reflects his elite talent. He's one of those guys who had a monster score in the running back prospect lab uh, heading into his professional career. know he had some struggles early on he's now showing that incredible talent i wouldn't necessarily sell someone simply because they were breaking off a lot of big plays i think that's a positive but the problem is just that the volume in terms of high value touches isn't there and so you have to be just so freakishly good to maintain what this draft position here one of the things too we see that The running back touches or the running back carries are actually more difficult to maintain for these guys who scored a huge number of points almost exclusively through the ground than it is for those backs who have this balance between carries and receptions. And a lot of that is is simply intuitive. If you have both of those things and your expected points come from both of those areas and you're not way above the expectation or you're not at the very top in terms of volume on either side, then you have again, a little bit more of a sustainable profile. Whereas if you're leading the league in attempts, I mean, you know, those attempts are going to fall. It's going to take something. It's going to take the perfect season, which is what Derrick Henry just had in order to do that again, that's going to be difficult. And so I think that his value here may even still understate where he really should be going in drafts. And that's the point that Jack made for this next player as well. Nick Chubb, he points out that he went 27th overall, a far cry from his, Uh, 16th ADP, but he actually only fell a couple spots purely at running back. So we mentioned how this draft was much more wide receiver heavy. He has a running back 11 ADP. He was drafted at running back 13 in this draft. And, And that may be difficult, right? Jack points out that the splits here with hunt and without hunt, almost 20 points a game before hunt started playing just under 13. Once he was there, you see those targets fall, but you also see his rushing attempts fall slightly It's going to be difficult for Chubb, despite being perhaps the best early down runner in the NFL. I mean, these two guys here are two of the three or four people who are going to be competing for that label, right? The best pure runner in the NFL. But both of them, even with their talent and even especially for Chubb with the youth, they're just running into a buzzsaw where it's very difficult to maintain the type of value that you would need to represent a running back pick this early.
1: Yeah and I think when you look at it as well like uh, we've talked about Chubb a number of times over the last kind of two seasons he's a player that we both like as a NFL player uh, it's just that the fantasy value might not be there because of the upside being capped in terms of the targets he's going to receive even when uh, Hunt came in to the team last year I think it was around week eight I think it was an eight-week suspension um, when he came into the team Chubb was averaging four targets per game uh, when he was out and then when he came back it was just two and a quarter targets per game so There was also a dip in the carries as well and overall when you're looking at where the two adp set up at the moment um like both players as actual players but i think the value is in uh, kareem hunt and what he can do as a standalone player even with uh chubb there and then if anything did happen to chubb um i think there's obviously a huge upside for Hunt. Likewise, though, if anything happens to Hunt, there's a, a huge upside for Chubb because I think the targets come back into play. It's very hard to see Hunt being available and him not getting the edge in the targets based on what we've seen throughout Hunt's career being one of the you know the top receiving backs uh, throughout his time in the NFL. Uh, next up then, Sean, we're going to jump through these a little bit quicker, but we have two quarterbacks. Do you think it just comes back to the, uh, the late round quarterback trying to, to let Lit a little bit later or do you think that these quarterbacks should have perhaps went a little bit earlier obviously when we're setting up those best ball lineups and um, getting those top tier quarterbacks can be an advantage but maybe not as much as not as much as we would expect
0: yeah so the two guys we're talking about here obviously Lamar Jackson he fell from an ADP around 25 all the way to 40th Mahomes fell from 25 to 46th the point here is not exactly late round quarterback because the roster construction explorer tells you to take guys between round seven and round 12, and especially in that round eight, nine, 10 range, uh, very good rounds for quarterbacks. And that doesn't fit into your traditional sort of late round quarterback. But the very early round quarterback has been disastrous <laughs> in these F leagues. You pull up the roster construction explorer, you can see that taking quarterbacks before round six you just have a five percent win rate right your top six percentage 41 percent and it feels like these two guys should be different but all you have to do is look at mahomes last year and how his win rate was very poor to see that even the guys who are exceptions they're they're not exactly exceptions. Now, if you told me that at the end of the season that Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes were going to score so many points that they actually did have value in these ranges, that wouldn't surprise me. But over time it's a very poor tactical decision.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I mentioned late round, I guess, yeah, when we're talking about basketball we're looking to get those kind of three guys and and in that range and uh set up your lineups for success. But um I guess when you're looking at it from a basketball perspective, you know, some people would be diving in and those opening five rounds. So uh, giving themselves that kind of negative efficiency then for success throughout the season we're going to do one more player sean we're going to tease the rest then for the, the listeners to go and check out on the website we have aj green uh cincinnati bengal obviously um we were touting tyler boyd i know you specifically and um, for that breakout season became kind of a player of the podcast and part of that there then is aj green also had his injury missed all last season things were going good for boyd but green do you see obviously he's 32 missed all last season new quarterback the players going around him i think are 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 much more upside um i would love to see aj green come back i would love to see him hit those heights again but based on his age and based on the time missed um and the changes there guys like will fuller christian kirk are players that i would be jumping ahead with him at this point in his career. Is A.J. Green somebody who has any interest for you in getting on those rosters, or is he somebody who you've kind of avoided this offseason?
0: Yeah, no. There's there's no interest in A.J. Green, and that doesn't mean that I don't think that there's a possibility, right? For so many of these players, we look at it, and is there a scenario where they could return value? Yes. I mean, A.J. Green's ADP right now is really interesting in that it reflects just how strong his sort of name recognition truly is you know we hear that all the time with politicians but it's definitely a a fantasy phenomenon as well where if you just were to look at A.J. Green's results and you know honestly even going back to 2015 is the last time that you're going to get big time results from A.J. Green if you were to know that he was 32 you would look at his performance from 2016 to 2019 and were told what his ADP is I mean, you'd be mind boggled. It, it would make no sense whatsoever <laughs> if you were then told that he's going to have a rookie QB and that there were some interesting other receivers on the team that he might have to compete with for target share. A guy like Ty- Tyler Boyd jumps out, but they also drafted that rookie very early. You have John Ross, a former top 10 pick, who does offer at least a specific type of role in the offense. And There's no easy way to look at this and say, okay, Green, if he's healthy, is going to come back to a 26, 27, 28 percent target share. That's probably not in the cards, even if he goes back to being close to his peak. You know, then you know that he's coming off of a season that really or an injury that really is almost a multi-season injury. And finally, factor in that there's some real question about his Attitude and his willingness to actually play for this Bengals team uh, in terms of playing for the team as opposed to playing purely for himself. Now, the one thing that does point in the opposite direction and is interesting is that the Bengals are in the process of getting ready to pay him a lot of money, at least for 2020. And so when you think about what he did to them last year, and perhaps all of this was completely above board, he was just devastatingly injured the whole time. The fact that they continue to mention him as a possibility was more about catering to fans and PR than any real idea that he would play. But after what they went through with him last year for the Bengals to still believe in him enough to pay him what they're on the verge of paying him is, uh, I think something that does point in the other direction and makes you wonder what they have seen, or if it's merely a situation where they have the money and AJ green is Still, maybe the most recognizable guy with the new quarterback, you know, with a Joe Mixon in terms of a team here that needs some positive publicity. What do you make of the fact that they franchised him and are on the verge of going into this season, apparently expecting him to play a big role? I
1: think it's a bit like you kind of hinted at there. I think it might just be. Like, we, we see this team and how it's run um, year on year, almost decade on decade. um, You know, I think it could be something that, like, he's probably valuable to the franchise from a publicity standpoint for, in terms of, like, merchandise and things like that. Um, Maybe they have seen him behind the scenes and things are looking good, but I would imagine that it's more a case that they have, you know, a, a franchise legend and he's there and, you know, they have cap space to, to be able to do that. Um, And I think that would be more the side of it um, rather than, that they expect him to come out and you know have a thousand yard season uh, and tear things up. Like I would be looking at it, and I kind of you know I I like AJ Green. I was saying that I would love to see him do it this year. Like I think it's pretty clear at this point that. Uh, he is at best the second choice wide receiver on this team i think boyd is going to end up this season leading that team in targets and uh, yards i would imagine as well based off that um i think as well if you look at the targets that boyd's going to get versus what we would expect aj green to get i think that that's bodes better for a rookie quarterback as well um so i, I don't expect there to be anything um much to that it's like just a, it's probably another time where this franchise is uh <laughs> kind of miss miss using funds or you know misrunning the organization so we'll see what happens but he's somebody who you mentioned like if we've seen any other players who have had the career trajectory over the last four years that green has had and then he missed last season a new quarterback and so on and so forth i think we'll be looking at his adp being substantially lower Um, like there's players who like antonio brown obviously i wouldn't expect him to play this year but you know his draft slot is you know a lot a lot different and then we have somebody as well like uh, a Josh Garden who's looking to get back in the league who you know has shown probably more recent production than AJ Green so we'll see we'll see what happens with it but um, not somebody who I'd be targeting in 2020.
0: One thing I would say here for the Bengals is that even if it's an overpay I think you do have to respect what they've done in terms of trying to make sure that that quarterback whom they drafted number one overall they want to be their You know franchise foundation they want him to be the guy that takes the Bengals back to the top to this to the playoffs and not just to the playoffs but actually winning some playoff games there really compete with the Steelers compete with the Ravens and if you're taking this guy especially in a season that could be difficult for rookies based on the inability to get out there and do some of these practice kinds of things if you're giving them giving him every weapon that you possibly can if you have the choice between giving him the weapon of an A.J. Green, even if it's an A.J. Green that's more along the lines of his career that maybe we're looking at from someone like a Larry Fitzgerald, you're giving him those weapons to go in and perform as a rookie. That, that's just so much more safety and security and upside for a quarterback who I think they're hoping will spread the ball around, will attack down the field, and will really lead a much more exciting offense right away than maybe people are expecting so even though AJ Green may not be the target and it may be a little bit confusing what the Bengals are doing if you take it out of the context of trying to make sure this rookie number one pick is ready to go I think within that context it's very exciting to see what the Bengals will do this year
1: before we jump into the second half of the show i want to let you know about our friends over at betonline.ag sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events major league baseball is finally kicking off this week and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners bet online check out all the odds features and prop bets to get bets on all available 24 7 and with the return of sports bet online sat down with former pro players eddie george harold reynolds and seven-time nba champ robert Horry. see what they have. Had to say and what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling fandemic visit betonline.ag today for all the odds and get up to date sports news remember to use the code BlueWire to receive your welcome bonus that is all one word the code BlueWire. bet online your online wagering experts
0: i'm dave Cabin, host of the rotoviz fantasy football podcast i wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting rotoviz radio We love producing these shows, and we hope that you love listening to them. As a thank you, Royal Podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one-year Rotovis subscription by using the promo code 2020RVRadio at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business, and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor
1: and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. So Sean, moving into the second part of the show, we're going to look at another piece we teased at the start, wide receiver, twos i guess perceived wide receiver twos versus the wide receiver one on that roster first one up is michael gallup uh, and amari cooper you mentioned it in the, the ffpc stat attack uh, wide receiver 10 is amari cooper wide receiver 29 is michael gallup gallup somebody who has shown flashes throughout his uh, time in dallas since he entered the league and also has shown uh, consistency at times as well when we look at as you mentioned in that stat attack to start things off there isn't a huge difference in what they did last season um would you expect that to be very similar this year or do you think that Gallup could potentially even overtake Cooper or do you think Cooper stays in the the lead role but Gallup's a better value at his current uh, ADP it's gonna be interesting too because you know obviously Randall Cobb now with the the Houston Texans um and Jason Witten, although not very productive, did absorb a number of targets. Now, uh, actually still in the NFL, but with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, so there is a lot of uh, targets that are freed up. C.D. Lamb's come in. But I still think that Gallup is somebody who's been just a little bit overlooked in terms of what he can do this season.
0: Definitely. And uh, there is you know both a, a plus and a minus for this. But a lot of people may not realize where michael gallup ended up because fantasy seasons end in week 16 you have the christmas holidays people a lot of distractions going on that type of the year week 17 tends to be a season uh, a week that isn't watched nearly as much as so many of the others and with gallup having that almost 33 point game to close out the regular season that really closed up the gap between him and Cooper on the year and uh, you know launched him with a lot of momentum into year three now I think that there are still some minor red flags with Gallup in terms of upside in terms of him being the guy on his own that can do some of the things I do expect that as this team develops that it will be Cooper and Lamb who are the main two guys. And so when you're looking at, you know, should we pay a wide receiver 29 price for someone who has a lot of competition from his teammates? I think that gets to be difficult at the same time there could be so much value in this offense and i tend to be a little bit more skeptical about uh the breakout tight end for the for the cowboys here i don't think that you're going to see jarwin uh, siphon off as much value as some people are giving him in their rankings and with that being the case if you're looking at this as being a team that is wide receiver centric a team that is going to lose some touches uh through the air to ezekiel elliott possibly to tony pollard but If we're looking at a 5,000-yard passing season from Dak Prescott and then you have these three receivers, it's possible that all three of them could get at least in the range of what their ADPs are foreshadowing. Now, when you look at those three guys, all three of them you have to pay a lot for based on the different scenarios that have to take place. Do you have a preference between the three of them?
1: I think that um, I, I would be going based on value. I'd be going for Gallup. Um, when we look at, like you, you mentioned, I kind of hinted at it with Cooper as well, that this offense was a little bit strange in terms of those massive weeks from certain players Um, in that offense. Like, for example, week one, uh, seven for 158 for Gallup to start things off. Then in week three, seven for 113 week 11 9 for 148 and then week 14 6 for 109 those big weeks for him um are a bit like Amari Cooper where we see the big spike weeks and then in between there is a lot of lean weeks as well but I think we're going to see similar from Cooper that we see from Gallup um in terms of those weeks The, the consistency isn't always there between it but what I did like about Gallup last year is the weeks that weren't big for him. Uh, there was a couple of weeks in there, now. I will admit that that would really, really hurt you, but there wasn't that many. Um, in terms of most weeks in PPR leagues, he would be in a minimum double digits, but uh, a lot of those weeks then um, would have been in that 15-point range. So the weeks that did really do a uh, bit of trouble for you would have been week 15, for example. Um, even the weeks where the, the outside of that with the low um, yards totals um, were filled with touchdowns to help go through as well. So did finish the season... Again, skewed, as you mentioned, Sean, with week 17. It finished the season with six touchdowns. Three of them were coming on. Uh, that final game of the season but I I think I like uh, Gallup uh, just based on where he's going at the current moment last season was his second season in the league Uh, doubled his targets uh, 33 to 60 or sorry his receptions 33 to 66 doubled his yards total 507 to 1107 Uh, and then obviously as I mentioned um, had those six touchdowns to the season before and what I liked as well last year he had four 100 yard games as well previous season zero so everything was a step in the right direction and um, I think we could see him do the same this year or take a step forward because uh, last year with Randall Cobb although not somebody who would have been looking to do a huge amount was somebody who got got quite a number of targets last year in Dallas and I think CD Lamb probably gets similar uh, maybe a little bit less than Cobb did but I think that helps Gallup as well No, I was going to do the same. When we move into the second, Sean, um, we're going to look here at Odell Beckham, who's wide receiver 13, Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 30. We have talked a little bit about Landry uh, recently, somebody who is always very intriguing for me. uh, Consistently, I think, throughout his career, has been underrated. Uh, I think he's been underrated and undervalued again this year. Um, I think probably he's going to stay that way for the rest of his career. And I suppose when you have Odell Beckham as the wide receiver one on the team, that is going to affect it as well. Like If we look at like if I was ranking here and we're looking then at Landry versus uh, Gallup, um, Gallup's gone one spot ahead of Landry, and I know that's not the the role we're doing here, but I would be taking Landry uh, ahead of Gallup at that point. But Odell has maintained that value, not at his peak, obviously, but still um, as one of the the very top end wide receivers. Maybe not as justified after last season's performance. Again, it shows how those wide receivers can maintain that value even after those down years, but. Do you expect uh, him to, you know, come back to anything near that former glory or do you think that, you know, Landry is the the clear option to have here in the the Browns wide receiver core?
0: It's a tricky question because one of the things that we look at with this wide receiver group is that both Beckham and Landry were playing hurt last season with core injuries, right? And so, Landry played through it more effectively does that mean that Beckham has more room to improve and get back to what he once was? Or is that a sign that Landry, already a similar type of player, once he also gets healthy, that we're going to see that jump from both players? One of the things that we look at here in terms of Blair's research on bounce back players is that efficiency during some of these seasons you know, does matter. And we would actually hope for these guys To have been efficient as opposed to having injuries be inefficient and now you know there's uncertainty in terms of what they're going to do next Beckham is a little bit like AJ Green in that there's just such a stark contrast between what he did when he came into the league where his rookie season was just I mean what he and Randy Moss did as rookies is just so far and above what anybody else has done that it makes it seem like Beckham should have been a superstar into his early thirties. And yet he's just not been that guy as of late. Now, unlike the situation with the Cowboys, I think there is, is some potential for both of these guys to return value. Now Beckham is a lot riskier where he's going than where Landry is. Landry last season, you know, more targets, more receptions, a higher target share, Uh, He was much more effective in turning air yards into actual yards than Beckham was. It's kind of interesting because you look at it in their target numbers. Landry had five extra targets. He was targeted three yards closer to the line of scrimmage and yet averaged almost a yard more per target, which you put those numbers together and, and it's a little bit tricky maybe if you're not looking at it, but that gives you a sense of just how much more effective he was on his targets in terms of translating them into yards on the field. Ended up with more than 100 yards, uh, more than Beckham, scored more touchdowns. And this is an area where, again, I think the main takeaway here is simply that Landry, someone who was on this epic pace in terms of receptions with the Dolphins and uh, perhaps limited a little bit by the fact that the Dolphins are not a particularly a good team, Then he comes to Cleveland for that first season and a half, doesn't look like the same guy, but by the end of the 2019 season, playing very, very well. So I think you'd like to see both of these guys bounce back possibilities for both of them to outperform their ADP. I just selected him uh, in round five as the wide receiver 28 in the staff draft that we are doing my fifth wide receiver in the first six picks there. So someone I'd be willing to take well above his ADP, but certainly in that wide receiver, you know, 26, 27, 28, you know, definitely by the time he gets to 32, 33, 34, basically a no brainer.
1: The last one we're going to look at today Sean is the Lions and that is Kenny Galladay wide receiver seven versus Marvin Jones wide receiver 37 so at the wide receiver position alone 30 spots between them and um, which is obviously a big jump uh, when we look at it from that perspective it's going to be an even bigger jump when we look at it from current ADP and um, what's your thoughts on Jones obviously Jones is somebody who can have those big weeks and you know can have those multiple touchdown weeks but in between it tends to be a little bit more stop start um that would be the reason that i would be valuing kenny golliday even at his much much higher uh much much higher adp but matthew stafford is somebody who we've talked about a number of different times uh, on the show recently as a quarterback target i think these are both guys who will be productive but i think from a week to week perspective and that's reflected in the value kenny golliday will be uh, probably the most consistent, I would imagine, by, by quite some distance. We mentioned Hawkinson as well, and therefore Stafford. Um, but what's your thoughts on Marvin Jones, um, to, to finish it off here?
0: So I need to just say up front that I have never been a big Marvin Jones fan, and that continues to color my uh, analysis as we go forward. It, it just... It can't help but do that, right? Marvin Jones, one of those guys sort of coming in at the time period that Calvin Johnson uh, was retiring and being treated poorly by the Lions, which is one of my teams. It's hard to think in terms of a Calvin Johnson being replaced by a Marvin Jones. At the same time, Jones, especially last season, was fantastic, right? And so one of the things that Sam is looking at here is the splits with and without Stafford. And with Kenny Galladay, you got 17.6 with him down to 13.6 without him. And the numbers are not that different for Jones, right? You have 16.5 with him, 12.4 without him. So Jones a little bit less upside, but closer to Galladay maybe than people realize. Now, when you look at where they are in their careers, where they are, in terms of experience, where they are in terms of who needs to be the guy in order to make the other person viable, then I think we swing pretty solidly back to Galladay. That's one of the things that we see when we fire up the range of outcomes tool. Galladay is ranked 7th there in terms of what his average projection would be. That falls in line with where he is ADP-wise. Now, Marvin Jones ranks 27th, and that's a, a big gap when you're looking at how close they were in terms of scoring last season now that wide receiver 27 is still better than his ADP by a decent amount so if you're looking at relative value I think that adding Marvin Jones to your team especially if you get him at or below where he's going then that's definitely not a bad choice but a little bit like we looked at for Gallup and I think a little bit of a contrast with the situation with Jarvis Landry we're looking at some of these guys the wide receiver twos are going to be in a little bit more danger from some of their teammates in terms of having that target share taken back away. And so when we look at Marvin Jones, uh, we look at Hawkinson, as you mentioned, perhaps even when we look at these running backs finally playing a little bit more of a role in the passing game this season for that Detroit offense to really get unfurled. You know, they need to get Carrion Johnson going. They need to get DeAndre Swift going. The best way to get those guys uh, into the open space would be to use them a little bit in the passing game. So I think that there are some dangers to Jones in terms of targets on the other hand he's a vertical receiver he's a touchdown scorer he's someone who can create some very big plays for you and so especially if you're looking perhaps in a best ball league and you're looking at his price it's hard to argue against him
1: yeah the one thing is you know when we look at the points per game um you know there's only 0.7 of a point between them but bolstered quite a bit i know i know there's obviously spike weeks for goldie but joe instead have that week seven game with 43 points so (laughs) that that tends to close that gap uh, quite quickly but um that's going to do it for today's edition of the show as always you can get yourself a 10 percent discount to a road nfl pass right now with the code 2020 rv radio at checkout um, we are always grateful for the ratings and reviews you leave on itunes or i guess now apple podcast rather than itunes or your favorite podcast app drop us a five-star review over there it does help us dramatically Um, and until we're back with another show my name's colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland joined by my co-host as always sean siegel keep checking out his great work on rotavis.com and as always we'll give a shout out to the writers up on the website we had two shows this week we used a number of articles uh, from those guys posting great content on a daily basis head on over check out rotavis.com until we're back with another one next week have a good one